Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include some tips for dealing with clients, in my interview with Marty Green, principal at Polensky Bidal Green on pathways for the Fed and what to expect from the FOMC meeting next week. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, EarnUp, an award-winning consumer-first technology payments platform with a mission to create a financial system that can work for everyone. Through EarnUp, originators and servicers can provide a borrower experience with flexible payment options that reduce risk and improve overall financial health. Having plans sounds like a good idea until you have to put on clothes and leave the house. Capital markets teams have plans, and Stratmore's current blog is titled Capital Markets Protecting Margins and Assets. At the other end of the mortgage food chain, as originators fight for every deal right now, those with the best survival skills will come out on top. To survive and thrive in the current market, LOs need to be the embodiment of a Swiss Army knife. Well-versed in a wide variety of loan product options, underwriting guidelines, and risk-reward analysis. In his new July customer experience tip, Stratmore Group's Mike Seminari offers tips from originators on adding tools to their toolboxes that will help them survive in this competitive environment. For links to those stories, visit robchrisman.com. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show, Marty Green. He's been a frequent guest of mine, and we like to talk about what's going on with the Fed. The meeting next week is expected to yield a 75 basis point hike, though there has been talk of a 100 basis point raise. It seems like markets have pared back hawkish expectations for the Fed over the last week or so. Last week it was, oh, 100 basis point hike is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a much higher percentage chance of that than a 75 basis point hike. This week it's gone back to a 75 basis point hike. What's caused that switch? Well, I think that the, the Fed's messaging sort of didn't give them enough of a telegraph for people to think that that's where they were headed. I think if you look back at the last meeting when they went to a three-quarter point, they gave a fair number of indications that that is where they were headed. I think the absence of that kind of telegraphing left the market to believe that they were probably had a stronger bias toward doing the three-quarter point that they had discussed at the last meeting as the sort of the top uh, of, of what they were anticipating. So I think market participants kind of gleaned from that, that that is where the Fed was probably leaning was more toward a three-quarter point and keep that uh, a full point in their pocket if they needed it in the future, but not necessarily use it at this particular meeting. So you're saying, in your opinion, if, if the Fed was leaning toward doing a full percentage point hike at this meeting, there would be hints that they drop in the media beforehand. It wouldn't just come out of the blue. That seems to be what they've done in the past and certainly what they did prior to the last meeting. So I would anticipate that they would do that to prepare the market a little bit more fully for it rather than just sort of the speculation that we saw last week when the Bank of Canada or the the, uh, Canadian Central Bank did uh, their full point, which caused all of the, the folks to start to anticipate that maybe our Fed would do the same thing. But I think at the end of the day, Uh, The Fed, I think, wanted to telegraph exactly what they did at the last meeting and that there wasn't enough uh, in the inflation numbers for them to really change their course, notwithstanding the move by the Canadian Central Bank. You know, and we we talk about the numbers that the Fed looks at. Obviously, inflation is, is huge right now, and their preferred measure is the PCE index. They also look at payrolls. We we saw in the minutes from the last meeting that they were looking at 
the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. Have they always done that? Are they are they now taking into account inflationary expectations from the public more than they have in the past? Has, has anything changed there? I, I think that they're certainly, you know, look, they're looking at a lot of data points and those probably vary from time to time. Consumer sentiment is one of those things that may sort of tell them uh, a little bit in advance of what they're, of what people are going to be spending in the future. So I think they may be looking at that a little bit more keenly. I don't know that they look at that with great regularity, but I, it uh, does appear that at the last meeting, that was one of the data points that they were considering. So this week has a lot of housing related data and not so much market moving data or data that the Fed would pay attention to. Is there anything out there that could come out of left field that would change the Fed's decision-making at this point before their meeting? And obviously they're in the blackout period, so it's not like they're gonna comment. And, and uh, due to that, based on what we alluded to earlier, it sounds like they've, they've kind of locked themselves in for that three quarter point hike. I, I agree. I don't think there's much that could happen uh, that would cause them to change course with respect to that. I think they're they're very, very concerned about maintaining their credibility in terms of the marketplace, about how serious they are to fight inflation. But they also are mindful that if they are too aggressive in terms of front loading uh, their, their interest rate hikes, that they could tip the economy into recession unnecessarily. So they're trying to strike that balance. So I, I don't see there's much out there that could change the, uh, cause them to change the course at this late date uh, based on, on the data points that should become available between now and when they meet. They are obviously trying to find that balance and achieve a soft landing, but there is going to be economic pain ahead, I guess to put it cynically. How, how much economic pain, to use my term there, do you think the Fed is willing to inflict before easing off, uh, easing off of, uh, you know, tighter monetary policy? You know, it's a, it's a, Robbie, it's a very interesting sort of balance that the Fed has to do because the economic pain, I think they view as somewhat necessary and they understand that in order for them to get to a more stable price environment, which they think is sort of a, a pillar that they have to have in order to really have long-term economic growth. So I think they're willing to endure a, a fair amount of short-term pain to get to that point because they see it as necessary. And let's, let's kind of be uh, polar here for a second. Walk me through the pie in the sky outcome of a soft landing. And conversely, can you talk about some, you know, we could already be in a recession technically based on Q2 GDP, but you know, how bad could it be on the flip side? That's, that's very interesting. I think that if you look at a soft landing, what it would, what it, that looks like is they continue to raise rates, but they, they actually see greater evidence that uh, that inflation has peaked and that it is not becoming entrenched in the economy and that they can moderate the price, uh, the increase of, of interest rates going forward so that we're not looking at three quarter or talking about a point increase that we might have a quarter point or half point at the next meeting and then a quarter point thereafter and get pretty close to where they want to be fairly soon uh, with the inflationary pressures looking to be in the rearview mirror. That would be the soft landing and, and with the economy not necessarily tipping into recession. I think the, the counterbalance of that is they front load uh, the and become more aggressive uh, in fighting inflation because they don't see it subsiding quickly enough for their uh, policy uh, to, to really 
be impacted by it. Uh, I think there's a fair amount of room, and I think the, the Fed has indicated this, for them to implement their policy without tipping into a, a recession. And certain things that uh, Jamie Dimon and others have mentioned recently in terms of what they're seeing from their borrowing base out there indicates that at least so far they've been right about that, that it hasn't really tipped us into what we think of as a recession, although, as you pointed out, it might be a technical one in terms of GDP. So obviously there are a wide variety of outcomes on the potential outcomes on the horizon. I want to close by asking you, how are you advising your clients on what to make of all this? Well, fortunately, my clients oftentimes are advising me on what they're anticipating out there in terms of the marketplace, (laughs) which is good. I'm not necessarily the best predictor of outcomes here. I think what what we will hopefully see is a greater stabilization on the the mortgage market, less volatility, because we do think that consumers are well served by that. And we saw this a little bit after rates kind of went up in, in, in response to the last meeting that they did settle back down at a more tolerable rate for many borrowers. And so we're hoping that that continues with respect to it. Uh, but I think people are very cautiously optimistic, but it's it's definitely an uncertain time, and it's going to be difficult for a lot of mortgage companies to navigate that. So we're gonna we're gonna see how well they are in terms of being nimble and in terms of responding to the market that they're given. Agreed. Well, Marty, I appreciate the time as always, and uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate the invite. We saw rates rise yesterday following a story that the European Central Bank policymakers were considering a 50 basis point hike at its meeting tomorrow. The pullback in bond prices and increase in rates came despite the release of a weaker-than-expected housing starts and building permits report for June, which revealed that housing starts were down 2% month-over-month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $1.559 million. Building permits, a leading indicator, were down 0.6% month-over-month to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of $1.685 million. There was an upward revision to housing starts in May, but permits for single-family homes declined across all geographic regions. We also saw home builder sentiment plummet in July, according to the NAHB slash Wells Fargo Housing Market Index. Quote, production bottlenecks, rising home building costs, and high inflation are causing many builders to halt construction because of the cost of land, construction, and financing exceeds the market value of the home, said NAHB chairman Jerry Connor. 13% of builders in the survey reported reducing home prices in the past month to bolster sales and or limit cancellations, another sign of a softening market. Fears of a recession, along with high prices and rates, are causing potential buyers to put plans on hold for the moment. Today's economic calendar began with mortgage applications decreasing 6.3% from one week earlier, the third straight week of declines, according to data from MBA's weekly mortgage application survey. That comes despite the 10-year yield sliding 17 basis points and the Mortgage News Daily's 30-year rate 12 basis points lower to 5.72% during the reporting period. Later this morning brings June existing home sales and a treasury auction of $14 billion to reopen 20-year bonds. The desk will purchase up to $832 million of UMBS 30, 4% through 5%. And we begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth to a quarter and the 10-year yielding 2.96 after closing yesterday at 3.02%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Words can't express how much I hate World Emoji Day. That one's for the intellectuals out there. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, EarnUp. EarnUp is reinventing payment and data flows in real estate ecosystems, origination, mortgage, 
and fintech. To learn more, visit earnup.com slash Rob Chrisman. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.